time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, March 8th, 2021. Thank you for starting your week off with us here at the Get Home Safe podcast. Always fun to put out shows at the beginning of the week and middle of the week and end of the week to kind of help you get through your week as I am, uh, well, it helps me get through my week as well. Let me tell you, the structure of having to put the shows out when I put them out helps the week kind of fly by as uh, everyone can relate to, you know, those those long work weeks and everything. Well, they, they sure fly by when you're working and you're also putting together this stuff. So try to put together Monday episodes on Sunday nights, record with Bill Barnes Monday morning, and uh, try to stockpile a few episodes for our Friday episodes on Thursdays, try to record a bunch of those. I will say I've already got like four, well, three extra ones ready to go. Uh, so for the next month or so, I shouldn't have to do any Zoom interviews with uh, uh, upcoming guests and this and that, uh, got them ready to go. And that's kind of how I like to operate, do them, do a bunch of them in advance and save them. So we have three episodes already ready to go for the upcoming Fridays. Uh, some great guests, a good variety of guests that I think you guys will really enjoy. But as you know, today's Monday and well, that's kind of, kind of a sportsy type of show, not just sports. I also give my opinions on a lot of current events. Uh, but today I was, Joined by my brother, Sam Hersema, who makes an appearance every now and then on Mondays. Uh, we record on Sundays if he's free, if I'm free, and do a little Zoom call. And we talk about sports as well as other things. Well, today was pretty much all about sports. I had a long list of things I was going to do for my Monday episode today. But him and I got talking, and we started to go over some top, like, top 10 sports memories list for each of us and also a couple listeners who wrote in their list and before you knew it it was like 90 minutes had gone by so kind of a long interview today with my brother's not an interview I should say we do interviews on Fridays you guys know who Sam is my my one and only brother and usually him and I just kind of talk about sports talk about uh the weekend that was how things have been and just our general opinions on things as well as other topics current events right so uh, Sam and I start off our conversation kind of looking back on the UFC, UFC from the weekend, UFC 259, three great title fights. Sam and I will give our kind of thoughts on what happened there. Um, for those of you that aren't really into combat sports, don't worry. It's not the whole 90 minutes. Uh, it's only about, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. And then we transition into talking about our top 15, uh, top 10 list of, of sports memories and, and this and that. So uh, that's kind of what you guys can expect today. Um, but right off the bat, I got to tell you guys about something that I saw uh, on the American Heroes Network. It's a five, six part uh, Civil War kind of documentary, I guess you could say. Six parts. It goes over six different battles. It's about um, you know, inter- historians are interviewed as well as kind of some reenactment and they go in into really the guys who fought the battles and everything. It's really, really good. It's called uh, a civil war, uh, blood and fury. 
And if you don't have the American Heroes Network, it was made like four years ago, I think. So it's something that's old. Uh, but you can also buy it on YouTube for like all six parts for like seven bucks or something. So if, if you're looking for something good, something patriotic, something that uh, you can learn a few things about. I, I definitely learned a few things and also got pretty emotional. I'm not going to lie. I got a little little emotional. And I also discovered a few new suds with studs um, candidates, we'll say. So I got uh, that. I also wrote down a few other suds with studs uh, potential guys we'll talk about here, not just from that uh, series, but also some other things I naturally just, oh yeah, I remember this guy or that guy. So all things are are going well here on the podcast. We got a great lineup for you this week as always, Uh, but we have some, the next few Fridays are already set up and ready to go, which just does my heart good. It means I can kind of enjoy my Thursdays off rather than do two or three recordings (laughs) during the day. Uh, but anyway, so our Fridays are set for pretty much all the way through through the end of March. Um, if you didn't have a chance, please go back and listen to the interview with Craig Klingman from this previous Friday, the most recent Friday. Great time catching up with him, talking to him, and, and learning kind of learning some great lessons, some great uh, stories, if you will. Uh, just so much fun chatting with him last week. And uh, you know, as always, guys, you know the format here. Mondays, it's pretty much just me and sports. Sometimes Sam chimes in. Uh, Wednesdays, Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday. When the retired police officer has plenty of strong opinions and random thoughts. And Fridays, we have uh, a new guest that we do a long form interview with. So uh, I will get to our Suds with Studs segment right now because we have a long show ahead of you, a long conversation with my brother Sam. So I don't want to take too much of your time. Uh, but we do Suds with Studs on Mondays because it's a great way to start off the week. We've, we've moved it for about a month now where we've done it Mondays instead of Fridays. I think it fits a lot better, and I know it's a great way to start the week. I always encourage you guys, look up these people. Learn a little bit more about them uh, to honor them and uh, also be inspired yourselves. So happy Monday to everyone out there. Great conversation with my brother today about uh, sports and uh, UFC 259 recap. But first, we're going to get to our Suds with Studs segment because that's important. It's very important, and uh, I look forward to doing this Many, many more Mondays, but let's start this week off right with another episode, another segment, I should say, that we like to call Suds with Studs. Well, it's Monday and I have a great uh, person to honor today as far as our Suds with Studs segment goes. Uh, someone that was a veteran of World War II and someone that recently passed away here in Southern California. Uh, this came came across my uh, my phone, my computer, and I was blown away and couldn't uh, couldn't help but uh, copy and paste it to my notes so that I remembered to uh, do this uh, segment as far as paying tribute to uh, this particular individual. Uh, we call this segment Suds with Studs because these are people that we would absolutely love to sit down and have a beer with, and not just by the first round, but every single round. And we like to honor heroes and, and talk about people that truly inspire us. And today, I'm going to be talking to you about someone who was a member of the Tuskegee Airmen. I don't know if many of you know what that group actually is, but you're going to get some information here today that, again, I encourage you to go read more about not only this individual person, but the Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, Just a a really, really great 
uh, individual and someone that I'm, I'm incredibly, incredibly proud to honor today. Uh, this comes from usc.edu, USC Trojan family. This article was written by Gustavo Solis. So uh, the headline is Remembering Trojan and Tuskegee Airman Ted Lumpkin. Uh, he was an alumnus served his country uh, in the uh, U.S. Army Air Force's first all-black fighter squadron, Ted Lumpkin. So we are going to honor him today, and I'm going to read to you this article. Um, it's not that long. It's it's a good good length, though, but I really do think it paints a great picture for you up to who this individual was. Okay, here we go. I am quoting now from the article. Theodore Lumpkin's wife and children knew that he once had served in the U.S. Army and had been stationed overseas. But it wasn't until decades later when they happened to see Lumpkin and his military unit honored on television that they discovered he had been a war hero. He was a man of the greatest generation, a believer in character and quiet resilience. Lumpkin, 47, MSW 53, one of the last original Tuskegee Airmen, died of COVID-19 on December 26, 2020, just a few days shy of his 101st birthday. A native Angelino, Lumpkin served as an Army intelligence officer during World War II. After the war, he used the GI Bill to enroll at the USC Dornsife College of Letters, Arts, and Sciences. After getting his master's at the USC Suzanne Dorak Peck School of Social Work, he began a career as a social worker with Los Angeles County. Later in life, Lumpkin became a real estate agent. He also traveled the world to raise awareness of the Tuskegee Airmen, the first all-black flight squadron in the U.S., and a key unit cited in the desegregation of the military. After his death, countless tributes and obituaries from throughout the country poured in a testament of his lifelong dedication to service. Quote, I had no idea so many other people cared, said his widow, Georgia Lumpkin. It wasn't like he was Martin Luther King or anything. I'm just amazed and, of course, honored. But I'm just amazed, that's all. End of quote. Georgia remembers meeting her future husband while he was still a student at USC in the 1940s. She worked at the Bureau of Public Assistance and Lumpkin would visit as a student. She recognized his unique last name because all of the county's foster care paperwork went through her desk. Years prior, the Lumpkin family had taken in a foster child, and Georgia recalls reading through the file. Decades before you could look up a potential date on Facebook or Instagram, Georgia had a file with everything on the Lumpkin family. The file mentioned a son who had served in the military and came back from war living in a closet that was turned into a bedroom. On paper, they were a wonderful family, and everything I experienced lived up to that, Georgia says. People who met Lumpkin in recent years were surprised by how sharp a man born in 1919 was. He didn't, or excuse me, he'd visit elementary schools throughout Los Angeles to talk about the Tuskegee Airmen and trekked across the county to, to attend meetings of squadron chapters and of organizations dedicated to the group's legacy. He also spoke at USC. During one of his last visits, shortly after his 100th birthday, Lumpkin recalled a story of his time in war that underscored the impact the Tuskegee Airmen had on a segregated military. Lumpkin's job was 
to brief and debrief fighter pilots tasked with escorting bomber planes to and from their targets in Europe. The all-black fighter pilots and all-white bomber crews were stationed in separate bases and never saw each other face-to-face. That is, until a severe storm grounded both groups in the, in the same air station. Up until that point, the military men in the bomber planes had no idea that the fighter pilots they'd been trusting with their lives were black. They were shocked, Lumpkin said, of the moment when the white crew members found out. The two groups spent several days sharing the base with no incident. There were no protests or tensions. Quote, it was a good feeling to be judged by your ability and not by the color of your skin, end of quote. Lumpkin recalled in 2019. Like many World War II veterans, Lumpkin initially talked little about the war. His wife and children didn't know about the Tuskegee Airmen, similar to how they remained unknown to most of America until much later. His youngest son, Ted Lumpkin III, remembers learning about the Tuskegee Airmen in the the early 1980s. He learned about it through a television show called That's Incredible. Lumpkin III remembers announcers hyping up the program by telling the audience about a successful all-black fighter squadron in World War II that had never been recognized for their bravery. Quote, I don't think they called them the Tuskegee Airmen yet, Lumpkin recalls. They said, this happened, this was incredible, you've probably never heard of these guys, so we're going to honor them now. Everyone was walking in, and there's my dad on stage. Never one to boast, Lumpkin hadn't told his family that he would appear on television that night. Lumpkin never dwelled on the past and didn't allow the evils of racism to sour his heart, his family says. Despite living through segregation and spending time in the Jim Crow South, Lumpkin rarely spoke about the discrimination of that era. Instead, he instilled into his children a profound respect for education. There was never any talk of persecution or anything along those lines, Lumpkin III says. Quote, you just do your best, live your your life, and everything is going to treat you based on your character and accomplishments. He zeroed in on the power of education and and how that levels the playing field. One particular moment illustrates Lumpkin's ability to rise above hate. In 1973, Lumpkin took his youngest son to hear Mayor Tom Bradley in what would have been the equivalent of his inauguration. Bradley was the first and so far only black mayor of Los Angeles. I'll never forget this. There was a group of guys across the street from the event dressed in Nazi uniforms, Lumpkin III said. My dad obviously fought in World War II against these guys, against their view of the world. He just passed them and said, quote, Yeah, some people feel a different way, but freedom of speech is important. We're here to listen to Tom Bradley. End of quote. He was particularly proud of his work with the Tuskegee Airmen Scholarship Foundation and donated thousands of dollars to the charity each year, according to the foundation former president Jerry Hodges. Hodges and Lumpkin often traveled to events together. Both were USC alumni and original airmen. They also shared a pride of of their education. One of the things I was proud of was that I took every course in accounting that USC offered at the time, Hodges says. 
I was trying to get all I could before I got out and started hustling in the community. The two often returned to their alma mater to share stories about their time as Tuskegee Airmen. Jennifer Chung Vanzani, the director of advancement at the USC Suzanne Dwarak Peck School of Social Work, remembers Lumpkin driving to campus in his Toyota Prius and staying late to talk with anyone who had questions for him. Amazed by how active he was, she'd often ask him for his secret. Quote, he always said, I have a great wife, Chung Vanzani says. Lumpkin leaves behind his wife, four children, nine grandchildren, and one great-grandchild. Well, it goes without saying, uh, Mr. Lumpkin, you are an incredible person. You're a hero. Uh, I thank you for your service. I could never thank you enough. Thank you for being an example to all of us in many different ways. And sir, I know you are no longer with us, but you are someone I would absolutely love to sit down and have a beer with. And not just by the first round, but every single round, sir. God bless Theodore Lumpkin. God bless the Lumpkin family. And God bless the Tuskegee Airmen. Incredible story. I encourage all of you to read up more on Mr. Lumpkin and those men as we want to continue to pay tribute to the brave warriors and the brave people who do unbelievable things in our weekly segment, Suds with Studs. Okay, joining me today is a special guest. Uh, some will ask how I made this happen, but uh, we're on to bigger and better things here at the Get Home Safe podcast. Today, I'm joined by Baker Mayfield. Oh, oh no, that's not Baker Mayfield. That's my brother, Sam Hersema. Oh, man, I thought I thought we were going to have a real controversial interview today. Uh, Baker, I mean, Sam, how you doing? Take it easy there, Colin. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing okay. Yeah. You got the Baker Mayfield look going, man. I, I, I hey, it's working for you. Um, he wishes. <laughs> oh, my favorite quarterback. You know, it, Sam. It's been interesting the past few weeks. It's crazy. As soon as the Super Bowl ends, all this NFL free agency talk just goes into uh, overdrive, and I have found it really intriguing the past few weeks with some of the moves that have been made already and. The rumors, I mean, gossip and rumors is just out of control right now with NFL free agency, especially with the quarterback position. Have you kind of been following this stuff and, and kind of, I don't know, do you like it as much as I do? Yeah, it's interesting. It's a, I don't, I don't know much about what's going on, but it's, I know like there's something out there about Russell Wilson. Yeah. Apparently. Where, the, where the heck did that come from? So, so that brings up a point like <clears throat> It's, it's, you, you know, the media, the media, sometimes uh, there's throw stories out there to see what, where it goes. Sometimes people leak things to the media. I mean, it's, it's March and there's NFL news. You're not playing a game for however many months, months it is from now, six months from now. And yet all the talk is NFL and trade rumors and, and this and that, you know, R Russell Wilson apparently allegedly is unhappy in Seattle. Um, and if that's true, my take on that, much like Deshaun Watson, is neither of those guys seem very upset or unhappy when they were signing 
uh, four year, a hundred and let me see, carry the one, $140 million contracts. You know, I, they, at that time when, when they signed that, that's contract, they seem to be pretty happy. So I don't know. Do you think guys who make a ton of money, the highest paid players on teams, do you think they have a right to gripe? No, not <laughs> at all. <laughs> no, it's a, <laughs> you're making money. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you expect? Why don't you, why don't you take a page out of Brady's pay, playbook and uh, take a pay cut and you can get some players around you. Well, that's the thing. Like I remember both of those guys working on their deals and then all of a sudden the highest paid, you know, the quarterback's always going to be the highest paid player. But mm-hmm. when you're paid an astronomical amount of money, that it, the NFL is a salary cap league. Like there's limits. So that doesn't save much money for elsewhere. I'm not, I want everyone to make as much money as possible. I, I completely agree with that. Get, make, make what the value is, make what the market is, but much like you're seeing, like look at Dallas, for instance, with Dak Prescott, that whole situation has been going on two years now. And guys like Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, they're locked up. They've signed long-term deals. And yet allegedly, allegedly, of course, they're unhappy. So I don't know. I think it's a fine line, really. If you're going to ask for a ton of money and then to say you're unhappy, I don't think it quite fits. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, <clears throat> I don't really understand it. It's, <laughs> you may, you're, you're making money. You're taking money away from other players, basically. And then you have the audacity to complain about it. Yeah, it's it's very it's very odd. Now, to me, Russell Wilson's never been that guy. He's always seemed like a pretty good dude and a great leader. And uh, I don't know. I think part of this is just people uh, building building up stories and you know allegations or whatever. But it, 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 the NFL makes the world go round. You and I both know that. And I'm excited for the draft uh, because a lot of things will occur next week's NFL free agency, I believe. So there should be some real movement and, and I'm excited because our LA Rams, they've, uh, they've always kind of been active. We'll say in free agency, whether it be releasing guys or signing guys. So, you know, they got something up their sleeves coming, right? Something I'm hoping for a deep threat receiver. <clears throat> That'd be nice. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, I think Matt Stafford would uh, as well. Cause I think he will throw the ball down the field uh, a little bit more than Jared Goff. Okay. Let's get to some actual sports that are going on not all these gossip and rumors although i could do that all day um uh, you and i are both big uh, ufc fans it was a pretty good fight card this weekend ufc 259 not one not two but three title fights and for those that don't know about combat sports you know generally with the with the, a fight card usually the main event is a title fight at that weight division, whatever. It doesn't always have to be. Some cards are, are non-title fights. But this this fight card had three. And uh, Sam, what, what do you make of what you saw uh, Saturday night? Uh, three really good title fights, or maybe you didn't see the, the first one, but uh, tell me what your takes were from uh, UFC 259. Yeah, I didn't watch the first one. Uh, I started with, I got tied up, unfortunately. But I started, I did get to watch Amanda Nunez, my my girlfriend <laughs> um yeah she she's amazing and she's humble as ever and just best female fighter out there and then <clears throat> i watched the other one um how do you pronounce the name asanya yeah, adesanya. Adesanya. Israel adesanya yeah it's i mean that fight just shows you 
you know, weight matters, especially when you go the, especially when you're going the distance. Well, Adesanya was fighting up a weight class, if I'm not mistaken, right? And he was the mm -hmm. champion in the, um, what super middleweight was that? Was that the, the the weight class he's usually at? I could be wrong, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. He goes up to the light heavyweight, and he's a very light dude comparatively to the other fighters he faces. He's kind of built. He's long, right, lanky, and and that's an advantage really for him. But when he went up to this weight class on Saturday night, I thought the fight was actually kind of even early on. And then uh, I don't want to mess up his name, but I, but I know that I will. Uh, man, Blackowicz, Blackowicz. Anyway, Jan Blackowicz, uh, Blakowicz, Blakowicz. Anyway, Blakowicz, I think is how you say it. Uh, dude from Poland, uh, you could see he was the champion for a reason because he only outweighed uh, Adesanya by five pounds or so but he really looked thicker and just the overall more physical dude. Don't you think? Definitely. Yeah. It's just, <clears throat> I might, I might actually like to see the fight again. Mm -hmm. Like a rematch. But yeah. Rematch. It, it would, it would be a, it'd be interesting to see that fight again, maybe down the road, but you know, it's just, it goes to show just, I mean, dude, like, the, the weight matters. He just look, he just looks so much bigger. He actually, and then especially when you go to the ground, like it, it, even oh, if yeah. it is just five pounds, that matters. Yeah. The grappling side of things in UFC is definitely, uh, it, the weight is a bigger deal there than say boxing or, uh, you know, striking in, in UFC. So the very first loss for Adesanya, he was 20 and 0, he's now 20 and one. He didn't seem too troubled by it. Um, the, it was unanimous decision. It went to the cards. It went the distance. Uh, but I think Adesanya is going to bounce back. Uh, it, it was interesting to see a guy like him who had previously been undefeated take his first loss because all the previous fights, you're like, man, is this that guy ever going to lose? And so I think I was talking to Valerie. Doesn't, doesn't it go to show, for instance, like in boxing, you know, Floyd Mayweather, 50-0, and 0, for someone to not have any losses on their career, it's truly remarkable because at some point you start fighting the very best. Kind of like Adesanya did, so um, I think he goes back down to his normal weight class and uh, will probably continue to dominate there. So he had to lose eventually, and I think it. I think he honestly took it gracefully. What do you think? Definitely, you know, he's one. He's one of those other guys that's just like he's in it for the fighting. He's not. In, he's. It's. It's not. I don't really see too much like extracurricular shit going on with him. He just wants to win, and mm -hmm. you know. He took his lumps. He's going to go back down. He's probably going to dominate again. And we'll see what happens in the future. He talks, but, but everybody talks. If you, you know, not too many people are just very quiet and humble um, in the men's side of things anyway. Now, the women's side, you talked about Amanda Nunez. What an unbelievable talent, but she's also a professional. She is so, she's confident. She's not arrogant by any means. She's so respectful of the people that she destroys. <laughs> And that sounds so weird, so weird to say. Uh, she's just like grateful for them for stepping in the octagon with her. But she she looks unstoppable. She looks more dominant than Ronda Rousey did when she was just tearing everybody apart. I don't know that anyone's ever going to beat Amanda Nunez. I mean, do you see her losing anytime soon? There's nobody out there. She, you know, she hasn't gotten the, what is it? 
the Conor McGregor effect. You know, he he got big, he got his paydays, and then like you know, it's kind of it's just like you you see like it's just not there anymore. It's yeah. hard to it's hard to like strive for something when you have when you've done pretty much everything. Oh, but no. her, on the other hand, she has she's pretty done pretty much everything, and she just looks like she looks hungry at all times. Yeah. It's a it's, rare, it's a rare thing in athletes. It's the Jordans, it's the Kobe's, it's the, uh-huh. the Tom Brady's. It's, you don't see that very often. She is so, she's so hungry and just, it's not that she wins. It's how she wins. I mean, she, she dominates the fight last night or went like two minutes. I mean, she just, she beat, I don't even, I can't remember who she beat, Me, uh, Megan something, but uh, just, just dominated her. And she's been doing that her past few fights. Every time, don't blink, because every time Amanda Nunez gets in the ring, the octagon, excuse me, the fight's going to be over really quick. So I want to make an argument, Sam, and I, and I don't think I would ever talk much women's sports on my podcast or just in general, but I do think fighting is the one exception where you got, okay, I don't watch the NBA either because I've been sober from that for a while, but you got the WNBA and the NBA. It's like, okay, it's, it's women's basketball. I'm not that into it. Sorry. Sorry, ladies. It's just not very interesting, but I will make an argument. Women's fighting, women's combat sports. That's the one of, of the sports that I'm like, okay, man, woman doesn't matter. Like it's entertaining. I, I, I got no issues watching uh, women women fight. <laughs> I, I enjoy it just as much as watching the men fight. It's violent. And uh, I don't know, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And there's Amanda Nunez isn't the only one, like, especially the, especially the fighters she had to go through to do what she's done. Like, yes. We were all, we were all intrigued by most of them. What is that? Misha, with Misha Tate, mm-hmm. uh, Cy, Cyborg, Ronda Rousey. Like we were all interested in all those fighters. I still Holly, am. Holly Holm. Holly Holm. Holly yeah. Holm. I mean, Holly I mean, there's some good fighters out there. She's beat them all. And now it's like, okay, who's left? Are you going to get rematches? I don't know. But I, I do think as far as combat, I now do I prefer watching the men? Yeah, I do. But women's combat sports, I'm like, I'm, I'm cool. Let's, let's watch it. It's like uh, other, I don't know, women's golf, women's tennis. I don't know. I, I don't watch those sports really anyway, but you get my point. I think women's fighting is the one sport where I'm like, okay, Man or woman, it's it's still entertaining to me. And I do want to make an argument about Amanda Nunez. I am no, I am not a huge historian in, in female athletes, and I could be wrong, but I would make an argument, Sam. She's not just the best women's UFC fighter. I would make an argument that she's one of the best female athletes of all time. Am I wrong? Yeah, you could you can go ahead and say that. I mean, there's just like any any sport, any gender, any anything, you're always going to have arguments. But she's at the very least top two, top three. Yeah. Who, who can you who can you put her up there against her? Serena Williams and and then who else? Um, yeah, you're right. Um, you could Lisa say Leslie. <laughs> Lisa Leslie. I would think uh, Cheryl Miller. Cheryl Miller, Reggie, Reggie's sister, who, you know, had a great career at USC and was played before uh, the WNBA or any of that. Um, But yeah, I think the Williams, uh, as far as dominance, not just being in a sport. Yeah. And winning championships. I mean, I think Amanda Nunez is up there at one time. It was Ronda Rousey, uh, but I think she's hands down surpassed her, you know? So 
Uh, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, some people say, oh, Matt, you don't care about women's sports. No, I, I, I can appreciate excellence in something. I really can. And Amanda Nunez, she's hands down the best female fighter and, and arguably could be among the Mount, Mount Rushmore of uh, all-time female athletes. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, there was a fight before hers, um, uh, Sterling against uh, Jan. And if you haven't seen this, it was an interesting en- ending. It was a title fight. Uh, Jan was was probably winning and beating Sterling pretty soundly. And there was an illegal knee to the head. Basic, I don't know all the technicalities and the terms and the rules and this and that, but there was an illegal, I guess Sterling had his hands down on the mat and Jan threw a knee into his head and, and knocked him out basically. Not out cold, he was, he was awake, but it was ruled illegal immediately. Sterling could not continue the fight. So Jan was disqualified, rightfully so, according to what everyone was saying. And so Sterling was awarded the belt. He was awarded the victory. And what was interesting about this is Sterling was incredibly emotional he definitely had a concussion or something wrong with him, but he had the presence of mind. All Jermaine Sterling had the presence of mind to disregard the belt. It was so interesting, Sam. He, he did not want to be the champion in that way. He even said that in his interview, this is not how I wanted to be awarded a champion. He took the belt off and left it in the octagon before he went and did his, his interview. He, he obviously was, you know, upset that he got illegally kicked or whatever, but he wanted it. He didn't feel that it was, uh, he had earned it. And it was very refreshing to see. I don't know how many people would do that. I thought it was a great lesson to kind of kids in society <laughs> these days. He was clearly cheated. Not she, I don't know. It was an illegal act. It was called out and he was awarded the belt and he didn't want it. He's like, I don't want to do this. I want to fight this guy again. I really, really respected that. What do you, what do you make of that? Man, that's awesome. Uh, I'm going to have to, I'll, I'm going to have to find a replay of it today and, and see, see all of it in action. But yeah, that you, that's not something that you see very often, if, if at all. No, we live in the participation trophy world. And this guy was rightfully awarded the belt. He didn't do anything wrong. He got illegally contacted and couldn't continue. He was trying to continue too. That was the other thing. So for those of you who didn't see this, please look it up. Uh, Sterling, just type in Sterling versus Yan, Y-A-N. And, uh, and it'll, it'll come up and, and you'll get the information. You'll see the highlight and you'll see how it all went down. But it was one of the most intriguing things I've ever seen in sports to not only the disqualification, but then to feel bad and like guilty, like you didn't earn something. I mean, that was truly remarkable and uh, uh, mad respect out there. Uh, I, I am now a fan of his uh, and Mr. Sterling, and I'm looking forward to his next fight, which will probably be that rematch. So uh, some great storylines from the uh, from the weekend, Sam, as far as UFC went. Did, did you have anything else you wanted to add as far as UFC was? No, that's it for me. Unfortunately, like I said, I can only catch the last two fights, but it was worth the watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and you know, it's it's tough when you are with, with so many of these main events, uh, these, you know, pay-per-views can add up. 
they can. And I know without uh, going into details, there's other avenues. There's other ways to watch. Uh, we will not advertise that, but uh, I, I do understand people not wanting to watch because things can be expensive, but I don't know, a pay-per-view or two a month. I'm good with, if I got to do it every weekend, that's something uh, that would definitely add up and, and probably hurt a little bit. Well, it's a car payment, man. <laughs> if, you, if you're getting two or more, it's a freaking car payment. Yeah. It's, it's uh, I can get it from both sides, you know, pay, you know, like rightfully show you should pay for each uh, pay-per-view event, but no, <laughs> where, where's the stimulus package for, <laughs> for pay-per-view fights, man? Like, <laughs> I didn't see that in the uh, 700 page bill that uh, yeah recently came out. Uh, kind of on that note, I heard that uh, someone posted a, a report about that and said, you know, stimulus checks going to uh, criminals. Uh, that really, yes, that's something that is <laughs> uh, prioritized apparently. And I was like, what? That can't be right. But apparently, uh, apparently it is, uh, you know, this wonderful country and, and especially our state, how things are run. Uh Stimulus checks to criminals. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they they need that. They don't think they need that. But that's just me. Oh, bigger issues. Let's see here. Uh, Sam, it's March Madness, March Mayhem. It's it's coming. Some teams have already punched their ticket uh, to the big dance, and it's going to be very different this year. Um, I will tell a story or tell you something that I know you can relate to. I, you know, I recently got my off day assigned as Thursdays. I was like, okay, that's, you know, I knew it couldn't be Friday and it couldn't be Monday. So I was like, Thursdays are cool. And I, my initial thought was, man, March Madness is coming. So I'll be off on that Thursday, the opening day and be able to watch all 16 basketball games. Yes. Excellent. And then I come to find out that they moved the tournament instead of Thursday through Sunday, they're going to do it Friday through Monday. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I was <laughs> I know you could appreciate this. And I go, oh my goodness. So I thought it was, I had an advantage and now I don't. Um, it's coming in two weeks. I guess I'll have to settle for the NFL draft uh, being on a Thursday in, a, in another month. But man, damn, you, <laughs> Sam, you think you have it all figured out. You looking forward to March Madness? It's always a spe very special time of year. La mm -hmm. Last year was very difficult because, you know, like that, there's, that, there's those moments where you're at work and you got, you got four screens going, going on all your computers, watching at least four games at a time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in my, in, in my world, it's like, uh, what is it? It's usually on CBS now. Yeah. On the streaming. Yeah. And they give you like three hours or two hours or something for free. I have access to like 15 different computers. So each computer gets about three hours. <laughs> I, keep, I keep watching. <laughs> Your uh, company's uh, dollars hard at work. I love it. Uh, I, I don't understand why, you know, people talk about the day after the Super Bowl being like the most, the biggest call-in sick day of the year. I would make an argument that March Madness, Thursday and Friday, well, in previous years, that those were the two biggest sick days of the year uh, as far as employers go. Because, I mean, how, how do you, even if, you, I know people that don't even like basketball, but they love March Madness. They love watching 16 games on Thursday and Friday, the, the one and done uh, format. I mean, what's not to like about it? It's a wonderful time of year. It's every, it's like every five minutes. Okay. This game's going down to the wire. Uh, So-and-so up by one. Yeah. There we go. Five <laughs> seconds left. And it's like, and then you, you click out of that one and it's, and it shows you another one. It's like, Oh my goodness. 
Yeah, and, it's a it's a very special time those first those first two days. And and you and you find yourself rooting for teams you've never heard of, or you'll you'll turn a game on and you be you see the teams and you're like, okay, uh, I want this team to win for weird reasons. Like it could be their colors, their mascot, uh, what part of the country they're from. Uh, maybe they have a goofy uh, kid who hits three pointers. It doesn't look like he even played high school basketball. There's there's different reasons you find yourself rooting for these teams, uh, and it's just there's nothing like it in, in sports. There's absolutely nothing like it. I think. What, uh, what, what team was it that one year they had the, they had the nun that was at every game. Was it St. Mary's or they something the, like that? The what? The, uh, the nun. Oh, the, the nun. nun. Um, yeah. that was a couple of years ago. Uh, Illinois, um, Loyola, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? Do you remember it, her name? I don't know. She was like, she was at the school. I think we, the last uh, time uh, they, were her in, name. they were in the final four. I think, I think she was there the last time, which was like, whatever, 60 years before or something. Yeah, when uh, during our, I play in that basketball league, and during that March Madness, we happened to be playing. We had to name our team, and it was, uh, I think your name was Sister Mary or something. Okay. So we, our, the name of our team was Sister Mary's Practice Squad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it pretty, man. It was awesome. Well, um, you know, USC basketball, they're, they're, they got a pretty good record. They're 21 and 6. Um, looks like second in the Pac-12, only behind Oregon. So I think USC is going to get a pretty good, uh, a pretty good seed. Um, one thing I always like, Sam, in, in March is you know this this week we're going to see the conference tournaments, and some of them are already started. And so for me, it's fun to watch those schools go at it as a, in a preview of the NCAA tournament because you see schools that are fighting uh, so hard to try to get in the tournament because it's their only shot. They have to win the conference tournament, you know, uh, Cal State Fullerton, UC Irvine, um, uh, Loyola Marymount, uh, these these weird small schools out here that uh, are in the shadows of the big Pac-12 schools that are just trying to get, I mean, to get into the tournament itself is a big deal. So I, I kind of like watching some of those weird small conference semifinals and finals. Like, can, can you relate to that? Yeah, I really, I really enjoy it because there's always, there's always someone that gets in, and then you, you, <laughs> they're, they're always the, uh, what is it, the dark horse. You know, mm-hmm. I always take, I always take those teams on my bracket too until like the elite eight at least. Yeah, you're like, oh, they're from California. I'll give them a shot. Uh, I knew someone who went to that school. Whatever. Um, and we got it. Bringing up USC, uh, you know, we have to, we have to mention uh, what, what occurred uh, over the weekend and. And that was that the uh, the Trojans took down those Bruins, took down those Bruins on Saturday, 64-63. I did not get to watch the game, but uh, man, anytime you see the Cardinal in gold uh, getting a victory over over those guys in Westwood, I think that's that's pretty cool. So uh, one point game, I'm, I'm assuming it was a good one. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but that that rivalry still so much fun. And uh, man, it's just nice to see they're playing again. And I'd like to get to a game here here soon but probably not until next year so good for the trojans we'll see how they do we'll see how cal state fullerton does and uh other random schools that will get in that we will be cheering for um let's see here sam so when we get the brackets sam maybe you and i will do like a selection selection sunday next week where we will kind of go through the bracket and and pick who we like what do you think about that Eh, just pick your favorite mascot (laughs) that's cool 
the most offensive mascot automatically. <laughs> if, it's, if it's a pirate or an Indian, I'm in. <laughs> Elite eight. <laughs> right. I'm right in. Yeah. Hey, you're better off doing that than, than using logic as far as, uh, well, mascot selection, but also in, in uh, picking, making your bracket picks. Okay, Sam, I mentioned this last week, and I'm glad you're you're on today because I think we can kind of break this down. I randomly last week wrote down my top 15 sports viewing moments, and there's a few that I could probably go back and redo, and you know, eh, but this was just kind of my instant. Don't think too much. Just write down whatever comes to mind. And so that was my idea. And I asked a few listeners or all the listeners to, hey, send me what you, what are your top 15, top 10 sports memories? You know, I got to go 15 being my favorite number and all. Um, so I just wrote some things down. I don't know if you have any of that prepared, but I thought I would share mine and maybe go over uh, two, two more lists from uh, actually two of your former classmates, Nick Gonzalez and Will Tarico, and kind of see how many similarities we have and differences we have. What do you think? Cool. Okay. Uh, I will go with, uh, let's go with Will Tarico first. Uh, let's see. Uh, I like the top 15 moments idea. He says, here are my submissions. Um, the first baseball game after 9-11. Uh, I, I, I don't know if he means... The very first, let's see, it was if he means the first baseball game or let's see, because I remember Sammy Sosa running out in Chicago holding the uh, the American flag. That was pretty special. Yeah. I don't know if he means that or he means the World Series where President Bush threw out the first pitch in New York City. That's an iconic moment. Uh, definitely one of my favorite sports memories of all time. Um, I'm not sure if Will means that, but uh, or if he means just baseball getting back to normal. You remember all that, Sam? Baseball kind of, it was football too, but just kind of getting back to normal after 9-11. Yeah, I definitely remember the Sammy Sosa one and, and, the, and the Bush. Not, uh, not pit, pit per first pitch. <clears throat> but, and what a pitch it was too, man. I mean, wearing the FDNY jacket and then just a pitch right down the middle from the mound. Garrett Jeter told him, hey, it's got to, you got to throw from the rubber. And, uh, and he uh-huh. did, and it was unbelievable. Uh, let's see. Will Tarico continues. Uh, Kobe's last game. You and I remember that one well, Sam. The the uh, sixty point night. I'll let you take take the uh, bull by the horns on this one. You remember that night watching that game together? That was a lot of wine. <laughs> In honor of Kobe, we had to right. No, Ravino, man. Yeah, yeah, I remember that night. Yes, I was uh, living with my ex. At, I was living in my apartment with my ex at the time, and I had. I had coached her a week <laughs> prior. I said, listen, my brother's coming over. We're watching this game until the very end. And then probably for about 30 to 45 minutes after to see what happens. And sure enough, three quarters go by. The game's amazing. He's doing what he does. And <laughs> my ex gets very mad at us. <laughs> and, and goes to bed and says, you're being too loud. I was like, you realize this is happening one time. <laughs> you, Relax. Oh, you can you tell. You were for weeks. Weeks, weeks. We're going to be loud. We're going to be, uh, you know, intoxicated. We're going to be emotional. Like, this is Kobe Bryant's last game. And, 
he was giving us reason to cheer and uh i'll never forget that and yeah i think we got louder after that just to spite her <laughs> oh it was fun yeah i said you i well, i remember i walked out and you were just like you're like are we, wait are we are we is she okay we too loud i was just like i don't care just be be louder <laughs> I was, yeah i was irritated but watch yeah that was an incredible moment uh watching him drop 60 and just looking exhausted afterwards and i mean Shaq being there everyone being there and just uh you a special moment for you and i to share uh also on will's list kobe's 81 point game i think like most people who saw this game it was a sunday night i remember it was like oh man you gotta someone either texted or you got an alert or something that said if you're not watching the Laker game already, hey, you got to get to a screen. Kobe's on fire. And you're thinking, okay, he's got like 40 or something. And then you flip it on and he's got like 50 something at the end of three. And you're like, what? So I, yeah, that that's a good one, Will. That one, I've never seen someone that just could not miss in a game before like that. And and that's what I remember from that. What do you take from that, Sam? I just remember that. I remember that that season he was, that was a season where he was basically carrying the entire team. They weren't anything spectacular. So he, in Kobe fashion, just said, all right, get out of the way. Yeah. Uh, making, making uh, all those free throws and just 81 points. I, I could not believe that. Uh, this is on Will's list. And I kind of figured this one would be there. Most of the things on my list are good things that happened to my teams and maybe just some, randomness uh random games that i saw and was like man that was cool i know why this one's on here this is because will is a big ucla fan and he hates usc and it was it was texas beating usc in the rose bowl in in 05 or 06 uh regardless of how painful that loss was that is still one of the best college football games uh i've ever seen one of the best championship games for sure tough night but i remember the build-up to that Texas versus California and this and that three times, you know, unbelievable. And that, that game will always be tough one to top. Uh, Sam, do you want to, you want to mention that or is that game still too painful for you? Oh, that one was very painful, but actually I do remember that night. We were all, we were all, I was watching it with Will actually. We were all at John Collins's house and we were hanging out with a bunch of UCLA fans. I think it was just me and Alex Cadula that were rooting for USC. <laughs> so we uh, i think we uh we ended up going upstairs to john's room and locking the door so we just me and alex could watch just usc fans because we were sick and tired of them i i learned long ago not to watch too many big games with people that root against my team or don't have an interest that was i think that usc texas game that was one of the first games i remember watching pretty much by myself by myself and i got home uh Todd Carson I was coaching with Todd Carson at the time in RHLA and he he let us go home early and so I was like Todd I got to get home and watch like I you know we lived kind of far away and got home at 4 30 and flipped the game on and watched all four hours by myself I don't think dad uh was, was home or something but yeah I what a football game uh you thought SC had it there in the fourth and then Vince Young and the Longhorns just kept coming and uh, who can forget Matthew McConaughey in that burn orange leather jacket, all smiles on the sideline. Uh, Will Ferrell. Oh, oh man. So many storylines from that. Well, that's a good one. Will uh, a great one. Uh, Sam and I, this is another one that you and I were together for uh, the Villanova game winner 
the buzzer beater for the national championship. I'll let you tell that story since we were together for that one. Was that Danny Case? Danny Case. Danny Case. Yeah, we were the only. <clears throat> Once again, I think we were with, we were with my ex, and like she was at a. They were having like a company get together or something, and I, I chose I chose Danny Case, and they all came, but <laughs> no one was watching the game out of our group. You and I were sitting there. We just kind of like left our group, just be like, "All right, they aren't watching. Let's go watch with it." So we made like we made 10 friends out of that whole place just because they were actually watching the game. And yeah. so they were just 10, 10 random people were watching the game with. <laughs> and when that shot was, when that shot was hit, Danny Kays erupted. Yeah. It was yeah. a, it was, it was the typical experience that you want. You know, the, it was like a beer commercial. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was like, watch, watch Bud Light, watch March Madness and watch it, watch it with all your friends. And then it pans off with the Bud Light and everyone screams in the background. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, that was unbelievable. I, I remember, yeah, we, we were there. And Danny Kays is a spot in, um, in Anaheim. A uh, great bunch of pool tables, big pool hall, uh, TVs everywhere, and uh, really good food, really good uh, bar type food, appetizers, and a full menu, but really good food. Uh, great spot to watch a game. Plenty of space, really spread out. And uh, that was a fun memory. And yeah, I do remember we were, we played some pool, we were watching the game and then kind of made some friends. And, but yeah, that last minute, I think the entire bar was watching and hundreds of people just erupted when the, that shot went in. And I think, you know, I think you and I let out kind of like a scream as the ball's in the air, right? That three point shot. We're like, ah! <laughs> and then boom with the, with the noise. Yeah. Great memory. Good one, Will Tarico. Thank you for sharing that one. Uh, this brings back memories for myself and some of the things I didn't even think about. Um, this isn't one moment, but it's, uh, or not one game, but it is a moment. Um, the Red Sox coming back from down 3-0 to defeat the Yankees, become the first team in baseball history to overcome a 3-0 deficit. And not only that, they beat the Yankees, their hated rivals, and then they would go on to win their first World Series since 1918, I believe was the year. So that's a pretty good one, Will. Who can forget L.A. Dodger manager Dave Roberts stealing that base in game four with two outs in the ninth. If he gets thrown out, the Yankees advance to the World Series. He was uh, got in there safely. David Ortiz, I think, knocked him in. I could be wrong. Uh, they tied the game up and then won that one and three out, three after that to, to break, break the curse and overcome the 3-0 deficit. You remember that one, Sam? I remember it. I wasn't watching too much baseball, then, yeah. but I do remember it being a big deal. And I, I, the closest thing I've ever gotten to it was I watched the movie Fever Pitch. Fever <laughs> Good reference. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. Yeah, if you, if you want the cliff notes, watch that movie, uh, Fever Pitch. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, really crazy. And that was the first time. So now anytime someone's down 3-0, it always gets brought up. Well, the the what year was that? What year was that? Oh, four, I think, because that's when the Red Sox won the World Series. Anyway, yeah, anytime you, anytime a team is down 3-0 now, it's like, well, the Red Sox did it, and other teams have done it. Uh, but that was the first one in baseball and, uh, you know, really started a little Boston dynasty there where they were winning the World Series every couple of years after not winning it for yeah. almost 100 years. Uh, okay, this one, Sam, uh, is Will's last one. And... Uh, this one was actually on my list. Uh, to me, this was the best college football game I ever saw. And 
you can make an argument the Texas game, but I was cheering for the team that won this game. Uh, I already know which one it is. You do? What do you got? Wait, is it um, Boise State? Boise State in Oklahoma in the yeah. Fiesta Bowl. Uh, yeah, that was on my li- that's on my list. I was gonna gonna say that one too. That I remember. Good one, Will. We were sitting at home. We had watched. You always watch the Rose Bowl, right? January first, and then the night game rolls in. It's usually Fiesta Bowl, Sugar Bowl, and I was like, Boise State undefeated against Oklahoma. Okay, I like Boise State. They always got a bunch of California guys, and that Oklahoma team was loaded. Uh, Jason White was their quarterback. Uh, they had a pretty good running back in Adrian Peterson. And uh, <laughs> that game was unbelievable. Boise State got to a big lead, I think. Oklahoma rallied. Boise threw at pick six. Oklahoma took a seven-point lead. And then for whatever reason, Sam, our rooms were side by side. And we were each in our room watching the game. We weren't watching yep. it together in the living room. We were side by side in our rooms watching the game. And the play happened. It was fourth down and fourth and 15, we'll say. And they ran that pass over the middle. And they everything about it was so perfect. The way they designed it, they threw the pass like four yards short of the first down so that he'd be open and not be like, oh, you know, let him catch it up there instead of at the first down marker where it might have been defended more. He caught the pass, and as soon as he pitched that ball on the hook and ladder, you and I simultaneously simultaneously in our rooms at the same time shouted at the top of our lungs, oh! <laughs> right as he lateraled it. And then he's up the sideline, and I think we're screaming at the top of our lungs, go, 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 oh! And then we ran into each other's rooms, and we're like, oh, did you, can you believe what we're seeing? <laughs> That's what yeah. I remember from that. And it's pretty spot on, actually. And I, little fun fact, I was actually on the phone. Oh, I was on the phone with a, I think, again, weird, an old girlfriend. What are, what are these great moments in history of sports having to do with your exes? They keep coming up, Sam. I have no idea. It's, it's just, it's what happened, but I was on the phone. And as soon as that pitch happened, it was like, oh, I gotta go. And I hung, I hung up. Because we knew more that that was my favorite moment. There was more trick plays in that game, but that that hook and ladder lateral was it was just I had seen it before where a guy does like a button hook, he catches it and he pitches it to the guy on the same side. But to like do a crossing pattern and and lateral it like a lateral reverse, Chris Peterson, the Boise State head coach, drew that up and they executed uh fantastic, fantastically uh Jared Zabransky, I think, was a quarterback. I remember Zabransky for some reason. I don't know if it was. Oh, Jared. I know. He had like a goatee or a beard or something. I can't remember. But there was a kid, I think, on that team. Was there a kid on that? There was all kinds of kids on that team from California. Uh, the running back, Ian Ian Johnson, I think, was his name. Went to Damien High School right here uh, around the corner from you and me. And mm. he proposed to his girlfriend after the game. I mean, I don't understand. He threw the on the last play of the game on the two point conversion, you know, the, the, ba- the behind the back uh, statue, statue of Liberty, Liberty. He, he throws the ball in the stands. I'm like, that's the only mistake he made. I was like, dude, should have held onto that ball forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, that was a good sell though. That was a great, that was a great play. Oh my goodness. Adrian Peterson scores a 25 yard touchdown on the first play overtime. Then 
Boise gets down to like fourth and goal. They run the, the pitch pass. They have a non-quarterback toss the, the throw the ball in the end zone. And then the Statue of Liberty, three of the best trick plays of all time. And all of them executed, executed superbly by the Boise State Broncos who finished with a perfect uh, season and uh, really upset those, those poor Oklahoma Sooner fans. Uh, but yes, you know what? You know what? Go ahead. They went for two. They went for two. Not necessarily because they wanted to, because they knew they had to. Oklahoma was not slowing down. Oklahoma was actually getting better as the game went on. Yeah. Well, they were bigger. They were stronger. They were, you know, better. Say what you want about it. It was towards the end of that game, Boise State. They were, they were worn out. They were exhausted. They had played the game, the game of their lives, their D line, their O line. Everyone was just done. And uh, I thought that was the right call. And one of the first times I'd seen a team go for two and walk it off like that in overtime. Um, But that for me, Sam, what was big about that game was that was the first time I think people were like, Hey, in regards to like March, March madness, what if we had a football playoff? What if we gave these schools, these lesser known schools a shot, up against the juggernauts and guys like Colin Cowherd hate this idea, but I'm like, why not? Why shouldn't every conference champion get their shot to play the Oklahoma's and the, the Texas's and Alabama's and why not? If they earn a spot, give them a, ch- give them a chance. Sure. They might lose 99 times, but one time like that night in uh, January of O's, whatever year it was, man, we got one of the best memories of our lives. Yeah, I thought we lived in a time of equality. <laughs> Amen, my brother. Amen. Uh, Will Tarico, thank you for your list. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, now, Sam, let's go to another list that was sent in uh, by our good friend Nick Gonzalez, an avid listener of the program. Uh, I'm going to read to you uh, for, uh, let's see, for, for, uh, from Will's, Will's, I'm sorry, from Nick's email he sent us. Uh, hey, Matt, it's Nick Gonzalez. Props to Bill for doing shows out of the country. Oh, yes, when Bill Barnes was recording in uh, Mexico. Uh, also, your Friday long interviews have been amazing. Well, thanks, Nick. Uh, he's working about an hour and a half away to assist with administering the vaccines since the beginning of the year, and the podcast has been making that drive to work and home. Uh, work and home back much easier. Well, thank you, Nick. I greatly appreciate that. It's nice to know someone is listening and uh, I'm happy to, to be of service to help you with your long commute. Uh, I know some of them have gone long. So uh, that question is for Bill, which I will get to on Monday when I record with him later today. Uh, but Sam, these are uh, Nick Gonzalez's top 10 sports moments in no particular order he says some of these we've mentioned already so we won't go back into them the usc texas rose bowl game yes i think that's going to be on a lot of people's lists and i don't know was he a was he a ucla guy um, i don't know Who well, why do we got to keep bringing it up though <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree this is a good one uh michael phelps wins eight gold medals at beijing in 2008 highlighted by the four by 100 freestyle relay. I'll be honest, I was never that much into swimming, but watching Michael Phelps compete was uh, was must-see TV. And you're right, Nick, that was unbelievable, that run. I don't know if we'll ever see anything like it. And that four by 100 relay, if you want a sense of patriotism, guys out there, 
if you want a, a sense of just being proud to be an American, go on YouTube, pull up that race, 2008, four by 100 freestyle relay. Uh, Jason Lezak, was it Jason? It was Lezak. I remember that was the anchorman, I think. And Michael Phelps on there. That was an unbelievable race where we took it to the, to the French. If you need some patriotism, check out that race. Do you remember Michael oh. Phelps in 2008? I do. You know, the, the actual, I'll, you want to go as far as patriotism, I'll do you one better. The best thing about those victories is right after, you know, Michael Phelps has a strict diet, but right after that, he had like three orders of supersized McDonald's French fries. Yeah. That was yeah. the best. That was, that was a, <laughs> should have just called them freedom fries right then. Yeah. <laughs> God bless America. Way to go, Phelps. Uh, what a guy. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable talent and uh, just one of the best Olympians of all time. Good one, Nick. Uh, let's see here. Uh, 1999, the Women's Soccer uh, World Cup penalty shootout, which Nick was actually in attendance for uh, at the Rose Bowl. I'm not much of a soccer fan, let alone women's soccer fan, but the U.S. winning the World Cup that year uh, with, uh, what's her name, Brittany Chastain had the walk off and the uh, penalty kicks, the very iconic scene. The fact that it was here right in our backyard was, is pretty cool. So that's a good one. Do you remember that moment, Sam, or at least seen highlights of it? Mm, not really. Is that the one where she takes her shirt off? That's, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. That's why I remember. <laughs> Again, God bless America. Way to go. U.S. Okay. Uh, we're moving on. Uh, this is Nick's fourth one uh or no order the cal stanford band on the field yes very good one um the the big game right as they call it and uh not only did cal pull off the miracle on the kick return with all the laterals but the stanford band trickled on the field and the trombone player gets run over i mean the the, the announcer's call is the best part oh the band is on the field <laughs> you're just like if you're on the radio you're like Bands on the field. What? <laughs> the Bears have won. Do you want, again? If you want a, a fun moment, just Google that or YouTube it. Cal Stanford, Cal announcer on the uh, Stanford band play. You might, you've obviously seen this clip, Sam. Yeah, I've seen it. It's good for a laugh every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the most sensational, iconic victory in the history. He's losing his breath. It's it's such a good call. Uh, okay, on here, Nick. Christian Leitner, game winner over Kentucky. That's a really good one. Really good one in a regional final. So it would have been the Elite Eight. Um, what's crazy about that play is not that they executed the, you know, the Grant Hill with the long cross-court baseball pass, uh, the miracle buzzer beater, but it was really the backstory. And I don't know if you saw, I think it was an ESPN thing with like, documentary talking about that moment and Kentucky basketball coming back and Rick Pitino getting them there and it's so well done and you see the heartbreak in their faces in that time but also years later when they're talking about it the Kentucky players and of course the the Duke victory but uh yeah that's one of the most iconic uh finishes in all of March Madness Sam I mean uh we've seen a few great buzzer beaters but that's kind of like one of the original ones right yeah definitely Ah. unfortunately i don't have much to say about it i don't i vaguely remember it no amazing play uh let's see here 
Tiger Woods wins the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach by a record 15 strokes. So all I'll say about this is winning by 15 strokes, I don't care what it is, is truly incredible. Sam, you and I have pretended to be golfers a time or two. Um, we are usually at least 15 over, if not 30 over. But to but to beat your closest uh, challenger by 15 strokes that that's almost unheard of i don't remember this specifically uh nick but thanks for for bringing this one up i i just can't even fathom it to, to win by 15 strokes that's that is crazy tiger woods gotta be on. yeah <laughs> gotta be on for sure okay moving on red Sox come back from 3-0 in 04 in the 04 als so uh, we already talked about that but thank you for sharing that one nick it's cool to see that one. I I like some of these because my point of doing this thing is to kind of the unbiased, the to just appreciate good games, which some people can't do. And you'll see my list. Some of them are like, well, most of them are, you know, Rams, Rams stuff or California stuff. Okay, two more from Nick. Michael Jordan's game winner. And in parentheses, Nick goes, take your pick, LOL. <laughs> so <laughs> that says a lot about Michael Jordan, for sure. Uh, one of the clutchest players, hungriest players. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what there, – there's so many of them. They weren't all buzzer beaters necessarily, but some of them are, you know, the game-winning shot. I mean, which buzzer beaters or, or game-winning shots come to mind for you, Sam, of Michael Jordan? Over, over Utah. Yeah, the last one. Well, he came back yeah. in Washington, I guess, but yeah. Yeah, that was because if, if there's a, uh, there's multiple angles, uh, camera angles of that of after the actual shot when he jumps up and, and like raises his fist. Yeah. And then one of them, it actually looks like he kicks the other guy. <laughs> it actually oh. looks like he kicks a Utah player and he falls to the ground. No, no, that one was over. Uh, no, that was, the no, that was, um, that was that the was Cavaliers. The Cav- the shot over Elo, good because as the dude and you see it in oh, real time, yeah. he's, he oh, jumps yeah. and and when he it looks like he kicks or punches the dude because he immediately yeah. falls to his knee because he's all uh, he's all angry and so yeah, that's right. that's but the see? Utah one, there's so many. <laughs> I know they <laughs> take your pick is right, Nick. Good 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 uh, right in there. Yeah, the the one over Byron Russell where uh, people say, oh he pushed off. Eh, I don't think so. Um, one of my favorite ones of that is, is the Jordan is the shot. And as it's going through the net, there's a freeze frame and you can see all the Utah fans. Like it's a great freeze frame people with their head in their hands. Uh, I think John Stockton, he's like calling timeout with this frustrated look on his face. It's just, it sums up Jordan's career uh, to a T. And then finally from Nick Gonzalez, the David Tyree helmet catch to help beat the undefeated New England Patriots. Really good one, Nick. That play, again, iconic is the, is the right word here. The New England Patriots were unstoppable. I, I No one was going to beat them. And for Manning to make that pass, and David Tyree, who apparently that whole week had had a rough week of practice, to make that play and pin the ball to his helmet with one hand, basically. Uh, one of the best catches I've ever seen in in the biggest moment. So, I think was that the first or the second time the Giants beat the Patriots? Do you remember, Sam? I think that was the first time. I'm not positive though. I think you're right. I think it was the first time. They they 
Tyree makes that catch and then uh, Eli hits uh, Plexico Burris. And uh, I think it was like 17 to 14, I think was the final. But anyway, uh, really good stuff, Nick Gonzalez. Appreciate the the uh, writing in the show and, and giving your your favorite moments. And uh, we haven't heard from anybody else, Sam, which is which is fine. Um, so we will get to um, we will get to my list that I've made. And again, there's things I forgot since then. I was like, oh, I should have had this one or that one. Uh, but I will just go through this and we will uh, act accordingly. Okay. And these are in no order. They're in no order, but uh, it may seem like an order. Okay, for me, first one I wrote down was Mike Jones in Super Bowl 34 making the tackle. Tackling Kevin Dyson, one yard short. I know it was probably further than a yard, but we'll call it a yard. To give the Rams their first Super Bowl ever. And I haven't hugged our father too many times, Sam, but that was one of them. And watching Mike Dice, Mike Jones make that tackle as Steve McNair, God bless him, rest in peace, had take the Titan, taken the Titans all the way up the field. And Mike Jones, for him to spin and make that tackle, textbook tackle, uh, and watch the clock hit zeros and the Rams be Super Bowl champions is, is just a memory. I will, I will never forget the feeling in my stomach watching that final play and then as it happened and see that he tackled him short. That's it. I'll never forget yeah. it. Well, don't ever forget it because you'll probably never see it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. No, that's that. Uh, that's fair. That is fair. That's the Ram- <laughs> me and Rams football. It's a love hate relationship. But that that day, that moment, uh, I was whatever four fifteen at the time, I think. And man, I I wish I. Well, I was too young, but I would I would have had a big cigar and enjoyed that celebration. But. Uh, yeah. We did the uh, we did the now illegal you you me and dad wait yeah we all did the now illegal Bob and Weave dance in the living room. We did. I just remember seeing dad, who'd been a Rams fan for so long, and to finally see them win a Super Bowl, even though it was St. Louis. That's why I want one in L.A. Bad um, to see the smile on his face after years of all the suffering and oh oh goodness. Uh, that moment in itself was just the way in which they did it. So cool. Okay. Going on to number two, it's the same game, same game. Gotta, gotta have this uh, Kurt Warner to Isaac Bruce for the go ahead touchdown just two minutes prior, uh, you know, with uh, Kurt Warner goes back, he gets hit by Javon curse. I think Fred Miller, he was a right tackle. Yep. Javon curse, right. Fred Miller. He couldn't block anybody right tackle. Yep. Uh he, Warner gets hit. A Bruce makes the adjustment, comes back, catches the ball, eighty-yard touchdown pass. I think it was the first. Uh, Tennessee had had rallied down sixteen zero to tie the game. The very first play, the Rams score with like two minutes left, losing our mind, and uh, and then of course the longest two minutes of our life after that with Steve McNair going up the field. But you can't have the Mike Jones tackle without the great. Touchdown from Kurt Warner to Isaac Bruce. Ike the Reverend. <laughs> yeah, Isaac Bruce. I think I think if I actually have to go down the list in my lifetime, I think he was like not the best. Calm down, but I think he is my favorite receiver of my lifetime. 
I, I agree. And it's because of uh, obviously the, the uniform he wore, but he took, I think Isaac Bruce really assisted in taking the league into this real pass happy, big play explosive league. That's not to say Jerry Rice came before him and is the greatest receiver of all time. Right. Terrell Owens was yeah. in there. There was some great receivers, but Isaac Bruce, he was on some bad Rams teams. And then he also played on the greatest show on turf and, and those teams for a few, year, few years. And it was like, every time he touched the ball, he was scoring. It was crazy. So yeah, I'm with you there. One of my favorite receivers. Okay, here we go. Let's get some momentum here. Okay. Robert Ori, many buzzer beaters in his lifetime, but Ro- Robert Ori with the buzzer beater beater over the Sacramento Kings in game four. If he doesn't hit that shot, the Sacramento Kings take a three to one lead going back to Sacramento. Instead, Robert Ory hits the three pointer. Uh, thank you, Vladi Divac for tapping the ball, the rebound out to Mr. Mr. Ory, who at right place, right, right time. Uh, absolutely buried that three pointer That was my first like buzzer beater that I remember as far as there's no time on the clock. If you miss it, you lose, you make it, you win. Sometimes buzzer beaters when a game is tied is not like as cool, but when, when, the, yeah. when the shot leaves your hand, when you're losing, and then when the shot lands and you've won to me, that's one really cool thing about basketball. So I think the Ram, the Rams, I think the Lakers gave up 45 points in that first quarter of that game. You can, you can double check on that. Uh, but Lakers had an unbelievable comeback. And then Sam, that shot from Robert Ory. Big, big shot, Rob. I mean, one of many, but that one I will never forget. That was, yeah, that one was on my list, too. Is the, <clears throat> we were at home, or at least I was. I we was were at, at home. least watching the dead. Yeah. We were I with dad. With you too. The living room was rearranged the opposite way. Yeah. And, and we were watching it on a big entertainment center. I just remember I was, I was laying on the floor because that's how I watched every game. And I jumped up as fast as I could and probably couldn't do it today without pulling something. But I, <laughs> that shot was huge. We were so I nervous. Was like, it was in my, in my head. It was like, obviously different words, but damn it, Kobe, damn it, Kobe, damn it, Kobe, damn it, Kobe. Oh, oh, Ori. Yes. Well, the ball got tapped out and I just saw Ori grab it and step into it. It's like, he's going to do it. <laughs> Hold my breath as the ball's in the air and then, and we had, as we always did in, in Laker playoff games, we turned the volume all the way down on that television. You know, I brought in my little boom box, plugged it into the, plugged it into the wall, put it in the corner. And I turned on the Lakers channel. Cause I had to hear Chick Hearn. I was not listening to those NBC broadcasters. We had to hear Chick Hearn, even if there was the, a delay or whatever, Chick Hearn on the radio with the volume all the way down on the television. That is how the Hersumas watched Laker basketball in the playoffs you know that that's something i'll always remember about uh, listening to chicky baby uh, on the radio (laughs) is uh every time you would every time a free throw would be sank swish you'd you'd see the swish and then like two seconds later you'd hear the swish on the radio (laughs) 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 oh he made it (laughs) (laughs) okay again these are in no order i just wrote down some okay uh, Cal State Fullerton wins the 2004 national championship. I had gone to Cal State Fullerton baseball games for years. I was a student there. I actually technically wasn't a student there yet. I started the 06 year there. 
Um, but anyway, I was in college at the time and to see the run that Fullerton went on was truly remarkable because you had heard of the great history of Cal State Fullerton, but then to physically see them win the national championship, that was unbelievable. And, and to beat Texas, to beat their previous coach who had led them to three national championships, Augie Garrido, to beat them in that game. Um, Jason Windsor was the college World Series most outstanding player, as they say. Uh, went 2-0, had a save. Uh, I've never seen a pitcher take over the way he did and didn't have a great professional career, but Jason Winslow was just a workhorse and some great players on that team who had pretty good big league careers, probably most notably, Justin Turner, uh, the Los Angeles Dodger. Great. And um, man, some good, Ricky Romero was on that team. He played for the blue Jays a long time. Uh, Brett pill, who was from Covina uh, had some big plays there and, and just a, a great team, really fun to watch some kind of local guys do something great. And Sam, I know you didn't really follow college baseball or Cal State Fullerton at that time, but you mentioned earlier you didn't really watch much baseball. Don't you think going to Cal State Fullerton games for you, did that kind of helped help with the, your interest in baseball a little bit more? Didn't you, did you enjoy going to Fullerton games uh, as a kid and even as an adult? Yeah, definitely. There, there's nothing better than going to a Cal State Fullerton game, getting some kettle corn, being right there in the action. And I believe I did watch that. I believe I did watch Cal State Fullerton win. Might have watched it with you. I don't think so, though. Maybe mm -hmm. it was with dad. But. I thought we were at the house watching, and I remember hustling home because it was an early start. And we watched them do it, and I couldn't believe it. Um, again, a comeback win. Um, they swept Texas two games to none, and were able to uh, win the national championship in 04. They, they haven't quite been the program since then, but uh, our dad went to Cal State Fullerton and I had yet to go there. And so that was pretty cool seeing, again, a small school out here uh, win a title. Um, let's see here. Sam, I'm hearing a little like static or something on your, did you move your microphone or anything? Yeah, let me take a look. Okay. I think you're okay now. Let's see. It's fine now. It's good now? Yep, you're all good. Perfect. Okay, so uh, next on my list, the LA Kings. Uh, this was the second Stanley Cup, but I believe it was 2014 where they had a reverse sweep. First round, they were down three games to none to the San Jose Sharks. Uh, they had won the Stanley Cup two years prior, and it was like, eh, well, uh, you know, so much for playoff hockey. The Kings rallied four straight reverse sweep to, to defeat San Jose and then took on. Um, oh man, I think it was the Rangers. It was the Devils in one and the Rangers in the other. I could be wrong. Anyway, uh, that was the uh, game five, whatever it was. It was an overtime game and the Kings walked it off. Uh, an overtime sudden death goal. Alec Martinez to defeat, uh, or I think it was the, the Rangers, forgive me. Uh, but anyway, to, to defeat them and to win their second Stanley Cup uh, championship uh, with the walk-off win. I was in a, I was a, in a spot uh, bar, Graziano's in Upland with some friends having dinner and watching that. And that bar erupted when, when that Alec Martinez uh, wins the second Stanley Cup for the LA Kings. Do you remember that at all, Sam? I think we were trying to have dad. Hey, 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 dad, check this out. It's hockey. I know, but it's the LA Kings. They're doing really good. Yeah. 
I, <clears throat> the thing about those games is I remember they won. I don't remember much about them because I don't watch hockey enough to know to completely understand all the rules. I think it's a great sport. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't watch it enough. So no, I remember that's... them winning. I, I remember Jonathan Quick being drunk on the podium <laughs> at, for the after, uh, for the, uh, the, the, ah, the party, the, what was it called? The parade they had for him. But yeah, I, no. I remember them winning, but I don't remember much about like the actual game, the actual. Uh, yeah. Well, th- this one was their second, second Stanley cup. And it was just the way they, d- what, what sticks out to me is the way they did it. They won four straight after being down 3-0 against San Jose in the first round. And then in, in the Stanley cup final itself beat the New York Rangers in overtime. There's nothing like scoring a goal. And then you're champions. Like it doesn't always end that sometimes the clock just runs out and you're champions. But in this case, Score a goal, celebrate. It was at Staples Center. Uh, pretty awesome stuff. Uh, okay, this one's pretty easy. It's pretty self-explanatory. Greg Sirloin in 2019. Not just one, but two. Two huge 50-plus yard field goals to not only tie the game at the end of regulation in the NFC Championship, but then in overtime to send the Rams to the Super Bowl. I've <laughs> never been so nervous in my life than when the Rams are lining up for both of those those kicks we were together sam that was a special day i know the rams didn't win the super bowl but to tie it and then and then to win it oh my goodness those were those were amazing moments yeah that one was definitely a good one and but the you know that game had some controversy but every game has controversy and sometimes you're on one side sometimes you're on the other so eat it (laughs) that's life man that's life we've seen plenty of bad luck as an LA Rams fan, but Greg Zerloin, Greg the leg, God bless you, man, for two amazing kicks. I don't know how you did it in that environment and that crazy loud noise, but uh, oh, when that, when that ball went through the uprights, both of those times, I'm, my heart just leapt for joy. Okay, this was back in 2006. I was at the game. It was at this Dodger game. I was in college at the time. I was probably a bigger Dodger fan than I was a Rams fan. Uh, Dodger baseball was everything to me. Lakers, they were cool, but it seemed like everyone was kind of into the Lakers. And so for me, I kind of started to like baseball more. And I was at this game. It was late September. It was in a pennant race. The Dodgers and the Padres were kind of battling for first place. And the Los Angeles Dodgers were down four runs in the ninth inning. The first four batters of of the inning hit home runs and what was crazy about it was the last three came on three consecutive pitches it was uh jeff kent jd drew those two could have been out of order um russell martin and marlon bird and after the first two home runs um who was the the manager of the Padres? He was the manager of the uh, Giants for many years. Anyway, he 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 limped out there uh, and brought in Trevor Hoffman after the second home run. And the very first pitch, Trevor, <laughs> I think it was Russell Martin, home run. The very next pitch, home run. So four home runs to tie the game. I have never hugged so many strangers in my life in that stadium. A lot of people had left. Typical Dodger fans. <laughs> but down four runs in the ninth and they hit four home runs in a row. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was the 
probably my favorite Dodger memory of all time. And I think I shouted at the top of my lungs, you never leave early. You never leave early. And to this day, there's not too many ball games. I will leave early. I don't care what the score is because of that moment specifically. And then in the 10th inning, the Padres took a one run lead and then no more Garcia Parra hits a two run home run to walk it off and beat the Padres. This was in 06, a long time ago, but for me, it's as clear as it was yesterday. Um, I've never seen anything like it since in baseball, maybe the world series, which I think you watched Sam and reported to me, the Rangers and the Cardinals. Remember that one was like, they're down to their last strike home run. They're down to their last strike. Another home run uh, in the world series. I think you, you texted me at one time and you were like, this is the greatest baseball game I've ever seen or something, but that didn't make. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I, you know, my memory, I have a terrible memory. Yeah. But I, I've never heard Dodger stadium louder. I, I, that was unbelievable for me. Well, you made a good point about never leave early. Yeah. You never leave early for multiple reasons. Well, one, anything can happen as always. And two, at Dodger stadium, even if you leave early, you're not going anywhere. Just stay for the whole game. Stay. Why not? What's the big, yeah. You're going to, you're going to be stuck in two hours of traffic either way. Just relax. Definitely. Um, Okay, I wrote down Boise State versus Oklahoma in 07. We've already talked about that. Uh, I also wrote down College World Series in 2008. My very good friend Todd Carson and I went to Omaha for 10 days, watched two baseball games a day in the old Rosenblatt Stadium. Um, One of my favorite memories of all time wasn't one specific game. It was just being there in Omaha, not a care in the world, uh, just eating junk food and watching college baseball. Fresno State actually won that World Series, went on a tear, and it was just fun being there with Todd. We actually, we, we commuted. We, we, our hotel was like in Iowa, an hour away, and uh, one of my fondest memories with my good friend Todd Carson. Um, I also wrote, okay, down here, we're down to like the final six. I wrote down the Rams return to L.A. I know it's not a game, but it's just a moment in history that for me, I had heard rumors about but never thought it would really happen. And when it finally did happen, I, I was so overcome with the emotion, like the LA Rams are coming back. And I know for so many people who have been LA Rams fans, it was a big deal. Families and fathers and grandfathers. And do you remember where you were, Sam, when you got the official word that the LA Rams are coming back? Uh, I was alone in my apartment in Anaheim. I just gotten home from work and I think I called you. And then I called dad. I might've called dad first. Yeah. And I was like, it's official. Dad had kind of like a, (laughs) kind of like a Sam Hersonma slash Dave Hersonma remark. I was like, well, not officially official. So don't get excited. (laughs) (laughs) Until I see them. Even if the, even, he was like, even if they do come here, they're still a terrible team. <laughs> I'm very sentimental. So, so for them to come back and, and be the LA Rams again, after being a kid and seeing them leave, I was just like, I tried to express to people, like, imagine if the Dodgers left for 20 years or your Lakers left for 20 years. And that's what it is. They, it's always been a Laker Dodger town, but you know, at one time it was a pretty big Rams town too. So maybe one day we'll see that again. I don't doubt it. Cause there's a lot of front runners and all that kind of stuff. 
uh, here in Los Angeles. Okay, back to my list. Final five. Final five. Top 15, of course. Uh, the LA Kings dominate the 2012 Stanley Cup playoffs as a number eight seed. As an eight seed in the West, I was in my final year of uh, minor league baseball, and I was I remember watching the Kings as I was finishing up my uh, my season or no, just starting my season. I'm sorry. Yeah. Starting my final season in the minor leagues, watching the LA Kings playoff run, they dominated. I think they swept everyone or just about everybody um, and just crushed it. And that team laid some, just laid the wood on people. Monster hits. That's when Jonathan quick kind of had his coming out party as the best goaltender in in hockey. And uh, that very first parade they had was pretty awesome and uh, very funny stuff. So the LA Kings dominating in 2012. Look at this team behind me. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this effing team behind me. <laughs> He's drunk and wobbling all over the place. They're all wearing like Dodgers. Wait, didn't hat. He, um, the mayor. Yeah, the mayor said he was like, you learned three things in politics. There are three rules in politics. It was, it was Garcetti. I can't believe he was the mayor back then, but he said um, it was the Kings celebrating. Maybe it was their second. That would make more sense i guess with the time timeline but garcetti was a mayor of la and he says he says uh there's two things they teach you in politics uh never swear on television and never uh get caught with a drink in your hand or have a picture taken with a drink in your hand and then he reaches behind him and he grabs a bud light i think and he raises it and he goes but this is a big effing day and he (laughs) said And I, I do not like him at all, but in that moment, that was yeah. a pretty cool moment. So if you want to see yeah. that, YouTube it and, and and check it out. You know, LA Kings Garcetti. It was really funny. Okay. <laughs> the final four, if you will. Uh, this is a broad one, but Eric Gagne, when he was the closer of the Dodgers, you want to talk about electric when he would come in from the bullpen to close games. There was nothing like it. Those couple of minutes of him jogging from the, the bullpen, the stadium losing their mind, the, the signs everywhere saying game over, game over as the Dodgers. And then he had some incredible streak of, of saves. And then he had great stuff. He threw gas. He had a changeup. He was just nasty. And when the Dodgers took the lead, went into the ninth inning with a lead, you knew they were going to win. Unlike today, today or the recent years. Eric Gagne was a real closer and I will never forget that environment of being in Dodger stadium. Welcome to the jungle being played Gagne start in this like walk intense walk into a slow jog and just the signs everywhere. Game over game over and teams knew it. Teams knew it. I don't know if you were at any games or remember that Sam, but man, Gagne, yeah. yeah. And when it was, it was, it was game over no matter what. And you, and every pitch, you're just like every strike, the whole stadium's losing their mind, like a playoff game. And for me, uh, that was really something. Okay. The first Laker game I ever went to, I don't remember the year. It was at the great Western form. And uh, I don't remember who they were playing, but this guy, it it wasn't with you. It was me, dad, maybe with you, Ron, uncle Ron, uncle Ron and me. Were you at this game? They were playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Wolves, it was. Okay. And this guy named Cedric Sabalos scored 50 points. The vacuum. Yes. (laughs) 
50 points and he, he was, he had 47 and it was like the last minute of the game where he hit a three in the corner to make it an even 50. My Laker debut, Cedric Sabalos drops 50 points. And then I would later find out, cause I was a young kid at the time and, and later find out that he was a Cal State Fullerton uh, product, proud alum. And for him, he was one of my favorite players uh, growing up and for a lot of reasons, but yeah, my first Laker game, Cedric Sabalos drops 50 looking around the arena thinking, man, everyone's cheering. This is so cool. Uh, I'll never forget it. I forgot you were there, Sam. Yeah, of course you were. I'm not very memorable, but yeah, I remember <laughs> that game. It was, it was awesome. I went to, I went to a total of, I think five games at the great Western forum. Wow. Awesome yeah. stuff. Uh, the last two I wrote down USC versus Notre Dame in 2005. Uh, who can forget Matt Leiner on fourth and 10 hitting Dwayne Jarrett. I was, I was, I'll never forget this. I was at, I was at Webb. Rio was playing Webb. Let's see in 05. So you were a senior. No, I didn't get to watch the game. Yeah. So you played at Webb. I was at your game and you guys dominated Webb, whatever. I got in my car and I rushed home. I don't know what mom and dad were doing. I rushed home and got home in time to see the fourth quarter and stood. I think the light, I never even turned the lights on. I remember standing in the living, standing in the living room by myself, watching the game. And when Leinart hit Dwayne Jarrett, I was shouting. I was jumping. I, I thought he was going to score because I couldn't believe they converted on fourth and 10. That stadium was so loud. And then, of course, everything else that happened after that, uh, Leinart scrambles, the ball gets knocked out of bounds. The referees are stopping the clock, but the clock keeps running. It goes to zero. Notre Dame thinks they've won. Uh, they put clock time back on the clock. Leinart goes to spike it. The bush push, whether it was legal or illegal, is irrelevant. Um, <laughs> they, they beat Notre Dame when Notre Dame threw everything they had at them. They brought out the green jerseys. They played the game of their lives. And... Uh, of course, later that year, SC lost in the title game, but I remember being so excited when they won that game and just like running around the house by myself, no one there and couldn't wait to talk to people about it. Can you believe what we saw? And of course, our, our, our uncle Richard was actually at that game and has told us with, about it with, with cousin Casey. And he was, a uh, he was over the, what's that called? The, where they walk out with the players walk out the tunnel. The tunnel. He was he was sitting directly over the tunnel. Man, right there, right in all the action. He, great. He's. Oh, I, I think I was at. I think I was at a. We we got back from Web, and I think I was at Bill Baumgartner's house for that last for that last bush push. Man, I. <laughs> as far as regular season goes, I remember just being so excited, and I your game. I was at your game, and I raced home to see it, and um, anyway. Uh, so so cool to see and and just it's so crazy there's so many sports moments where you're like man i remember where i was when this happened and it's true because it was such a bad such a big impact on you uh what a great game that was and finally i wrote this down because again it was a pretty big moment that there's been a, a probably better basketball games in march madness but this one always jumped out to me and it was ucla against gonzaga in 2006 Gonzaga, Adam Morrison, the better team, winning most of the game. UCLA just scratch and clawed their way back. And Aaron Aflalo, Jordan Farmar, uh, Prince uh, Amute, Umba Amute, you know, 
uh, all kinds of good players on that team. And, and again, I've, I've been, you know, more of a USC fan, but I can respect and appreciate good teams and Ben Howland and they, they got a steal late. I remember the steal and then they, they flipped it and who can forget Adam Morrison crying on the court and UCLA celebrating went on to the national championship game. I think but lost to Florida, lost to Florida first of two consecutive yep. years. And, uh, but that game in itself, it wasn't a buzzer beater, but I remember them, they scored to get it within one. They got that, they trapped, they got a steal, which you almost never see. And then, oh, that, that game was incredible. I, I watched all two and a half hours of it thinking, man, what a great basketball game. Yeah. Remember that? I mean, there, there was plenty of March Madness moments, but that one stuck out to me. Okay, there's plenty of things I missed. There's plenty of games I'm sure that I did not mention. Again, if you guys out there just get a piece of paper and start writing down You'll, you'll think of things that you would have never thought about. And then you'll, and then later on, you'd be like, Oh yeah, I forgot about, you know, this happened and, and so on. So uh, plenty of honorable mentions in there, but those were just some that I wrote down and, and Sam, are there any in particular for you that stand out that maybe I haven't touched on yet? There actually is only one. It was, oh man, Bounty Gate. Bounty Gate? The Bounty Gate game. Um, Vikings, New Orleans Saints. No, that's what the, the Bounty. What was that? That wasn't the, the Bounty Gate game was the uh, the Saints and the Niners. No, it wasn't. It was on Brett Favre. It was on Brett Favre in Minnesota Vikings. It, well, maybe there was, it was Greg Williams. So there was multiple times, but the, I thought when he was recorded, and suspended and all that. It was when the Saints were playing the Niners. The Niners won the game, the playoff game. But anyway, I'll let you tell the story. Viking, I do remember this game, the Vikings and the Saints, where the, the, the Saints knocked out Brett Favre. I think that, well, anyways, we'll argue about it later. But I think that that was the single toughest that I've ever seen a quarterback play. Brett yeah. Favre was playing through so many injuries in that game, and we didn't even know until later. And that was the basically his last great game. Yeah, he came back the next season, but he wasn't much. They didn't do great, but that that memory, like watching him just push through, getting getting just destroyed every single play, ankle bent backwards, knee messed up, bruises all over the place, and he just kept playing because he wanted to win that bad. You want, go back and watch that game. You see his like, you just see his love and his will for the game, his love for the game and his will to actually play it and win. No, he, that was he one, of my, one of my favorite, one of my favorite sports memories. Even though they ended up losing. Yeah, he played his guts out. I think he threw an interception late. I mean, he was getting carried. He was cut up. He was, you know, Brett Favre was a warrior, man, just a warrior. And uh, yeah, the Saints did win that game, but that's a good one. I like that. I like. Uh, yeah. I think this is a good topic for listeners out there that if you have a game or a few games that stand out to you, send me an email. I like talking about this stuff. I'm very sentimental. I like thinking back to big moments and uh, it's not, it's no disrespect to any moments that have occurred or that I didn't think of. It's like, as you just mentioned, Sam, sometimes you're like, Oh yeah, I remember that game now, you know, or whatever. Yeah, of course. And you know, my number one has to be, when that hero decided to take a knee after being benched. 
<laughs> Colin Kaepernick, just just your guy, huh? One of the, yeah, the yeah. best memories ever. <laughs> a, a, a real American hero. <laughs> oh, indeed, indeed. Oh boy. Well, well, Sam, I appreciate you coming on. I man, I had so many other things that I was going to talk about today, but chatting with you about sports memories is something I could do every week. And uh, I'll save some of these topics for Bill Barnes when I record with him. So, uh, but I appreciate it. A fun show, more shows like this in the future, I hope. And guys, to the, to those out there, send me more of your favorite sports memories. We could talk about this anytime. It doesn't have to be any one specific time. Uh, any words of wisdom, Sam, in, 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 uh, Moving forward, we got March Madness coming up. We're about to pass the one-year anniversary of when well, we had our, our, our 14 days of, uh, of lockdown that has lasted almost a year. And lots to be thankful for, man. What, what, are y'all good? How's everything? I'm good. Man. Not much has changed from last year. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm okay with everything right now. But, yeah, thanks for all the, thanks for all the uh, top sports. Uh, countdown moments and you really jog my memory about a few of them so it's kind of cool oh dude it's so fun i mean our memories keeps us going forever and i used to hear adults talk about oh yeah this game way back when or this happened and you're like ah whatever but now we're starting to turn into those old men and this is kind of fun i mean uh thinking back as you've heard on my podcast sam i talked to a lot of people about their playing days and in rio and this and that and the memories are still very vivid. So, um, oh, I do want to thank you for a couple of things. Number one, for being a loyal listener, because you always give me great feedback of the Friday guests. And we've had some excellent Friday guests recently. But I want to thank you for turning me on to Google Podcasts. I don't like supporting big tech, you know, YouTube, Google, all this stuff. But unfortunately, um, they hold all the cards right now. Google podcast for those, wherever you guys listen to this. And I see most of you listen on Apple. That's a good app too, but the Google podcast app, pretty awesome. It, it, it's better than Spotify. It's better than the other apps I was listening to. It's simple, just a really good layout. And so you told me about it and I do want to thank you for uh, telling me about it so that I could eventually get on it. And uh, I've enjoyed listening to my podcast for a couple of days now on Google app, on the Google podcast app, just much, much cleaner. It's definitely a Sam Hersema product. Sam Hersema approved too. It's, it just has the best platform all around. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what I mean, go try it, use it. You'll see. And this, and this episode of Talking Hersema is brought to you by Bose. <laughs> and you and you you've enjoyed the past few Fridays, Craig Klingman, uh John, uh Mr. Lee. Uh oh, those are great. Yeah. Yeah. Klingman Klingman was pretty good. It was like it was yeah, we had a you and I had a little discussion about that. It's it's like interesting, like we're 30 years apart, 30, 35 years apart in playing, but it feels like you know you're on the field with that man. Yeah. Just by just by everything that he had to say. It was it's it's like almost it's tradition that's been preached throughout the years, and I don't think it's ever going to end at Rohan Pro. Heck no, man. Well, we gotta have a, a preview here of their games coming up, and hopefully, we're able to uh, to watch their games against Polly here and, and other opponents in the near future. Some some March football, but Sam, we'll have you back maybe next week uh, to talk about 
specifically March Madness and breaking down the bracket and, and making some picks and maybe as a friendly wager, even seeing who has the better bracket. Uh, and uh, I think that would be a lot of fun next week. So hopefully you're available and we can record on, on Sunday and uh, have a Monday episode again. Excellent. Sounds great. All right, Sam, have a good rest of your Sunday evening and uh, looking forward to chatting again. All right. Later. Well, I really want to thank my brother, Sam Hersima for coming on the program. Always a lot more fun recording with him on Mondays than just me rambling away at the microphone. I had so many things I wanted to chat about and you know what? We, we kind of didn't get to them because we were focused in on our sports lists. And you know what? That was, that was a lot of fun. Maybe next week or maybe with Wednesday on Bill Barnes with on Wednesday with Bill Barnes, I will get to some of those topics. So be sure to tune in on Wednesday as uh, you will hear from Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh in. I'm sure we have plenty to talk about a long list of subjects and a variety of topics that him and I will get to and should be a lot of fun. Be sure to tune in then. But thank you, Sam Hersima, for recording with me once again to get our week going. I think it's a much better way to kind of get our juices flowing and you know get everyone fueled up for the week ahead. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hope you enjoyed the Suds with Studs topic. I know it went a little long, about 10 minutes or so, but again, I encourage you guys, please look up some information about Mr. Ted Lumpkin, uh, a hero, someone that can inspire us. I, it never gets old talking about some of these people. And I will say in regards to some of the things I've been watching and researching, I got a lot more great heroes to talk about in uh, future shows. And if you have any suggestions, as always, send them my way. I love talking about uh, people that uh, are, are incredible people, incredible men, incredible, incredible heroes that uh, will really get us going and, and really put things in perspective for all of us. So if you have suggestions, please throw them my way. Guys, there's plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. I received a few emails from some people and uh, really like that. Appreciate that. We'd like to hear from more people. So by all means, send us an email with topics with suggestions just say hello whatever the case may be we love hearing from you guys just like you hear from us mondays wednesdays and fridays here at the get home safe podcast we need your support guys so just a friendly reminder on those social media platforms give us a like give us a follow greatly appreciate it if you feel so inclined on whatever social media excuse me whatever uh podcast app wherever you listen to your podcast uh by all means if you feel so inclined we would greatly appreciate a rating Give us a follow, subscribe to us. I know for those new to podcasts, you see the term subscribe, you might think it's going to cost you money or something. No, no, you just click a subscribe that will give you updates uh, and new episodes, you know, content, all the things that we put out, uh, you'll just get updated and it'll be a lot more easy to follow. So it should just be a follow. I don't know why they call it subscription, subscribe to it, but it is what it is. So don't uh, have no fear uh just uh, give us a like give us a follow or subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts i mentioned to you guys that google podcast app is pretty good for those of you that have uh, live in a google world with gmail and all this and that it's really really simple the format is great um i i really enjoy it i will say i i appreciate anchor being available to me to provide a podcast it really helps distribute the podcast to various platforms uh, it's not always the greatest uh, place to listen to podcasts. So uh, that said, 
Uh, I, I like to listen uh, in the Google Podcast uh, app. I've listened to most of my podcasts in Spotify, but I do think Google's even better. And I know most of the audience listening listens through Apple. I can see that in the, uh, in the analytics and everything. But wherever you listen to the to our podcast, we appreciate your support. Uh, share it with other people that you might find interested uh, in our pod, whether you went to Rio Hondo Prep or you're just a sports official or someone who likes what we're putting out. We appreciate the support. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Subscribe to our pod. Greatly appreciate it. All right. I've heard from a few of you already about some upcoming guests. I have three guests already recorded and ready to go for the next three Fridays. But as always, we're always looking for for more people to be on the podcast. And we're going to record accordingly in the near future. So I've got some great guests lined up. I have a list going. We're going to continue to put out more great content for you guys. I'm excited about all this. Okay. Pretty long show for a Monday. But hey. When it's March Madness uh, upcoming, there's a lot to talk about, as there will be in the near future. So please join us on Wednesday. We'll be back with Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in, hopefully recording in person uh, on Monday, actually, when you guys are hearing this. So we'll get right to it. And if you have any questions for Bill Barnes, it might be too late by then, but uh, definitely throw them my way, and we will get him all of that information. Guys, thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your week whenever you're listening to our episodes here. But guys, most importantly, as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. Mm-hmm.